Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a statewide and nationwide walkout of students to raise awareness of school safety and protest gun violence. March is Gambling Awareness Month, and the Vikings have a new quarterback. But first... I present to you the governor of the state of Minnesota, the Honorable Mark Dayton. Governor Mark Dayton this week delivered his final State of the State address to a joint session of the Minnesota House and Senate at the state capitol. The governor covered a number of topics which have been on lawmakers' plate for some time and will likely still be there after Dayton leaves office. MNN's Bill Werner joins us. Bill, what issue is the most divisive? Well, Scott, there are a number of particularly divisive issues, but one that keeps coming back is taxes, particularly in light of the major changes that Congress made. Governor Dayton, in his State of the State speech, laid out his case on that topic, but audience response took it a different way before he pulled things back. Last year, the legislature reduced business property taxes for each of the next 10 years. The federal bill just cut the corporate tax rate by a whopping 40%. Combined, they provide huge tax cuts to Minnesota businesses. So our number one priority, which will be reflected in my budget on Friday, should be tax fairness for individual Minnesotans and their families. Well, it's probably reasonable to assume that the strongest applause on business tax breaks was coming from the Republican side of the aisle. Well, Democrats like what the governor was saying. And the very same thing happened when Dayton talked about money for roads and bridges. Some people are now proposing to transfer all revenue collected from sales taxes on motor vehicle repairs and maintenance from the general fund to the highway fund and even dedicate it constitutionally. Such a transfer would cost the general fund $1,354,000,000 over just four years. It would further undermine the structural surpluses in future bienniums. While I support additional investments in our transportation infrastructure, I strongly urge legislators to consider carefully the fiscal impacts of this deceptive solution and instead look to sustainable long-term financing for the roads, bridges, and modern transit systems that Minnesotans need. If the people of Minnesota want to see an evenly divided legislature, 
Well, you can judge for yourself on the applause-o-meter there. Another major task of the legislature during this abbreviated session is a bonding bill for state public works projects. Dayton, in his speech, urged lawmakers to grant his $1.5 billion request. A third of that would go to the University of Minnesota and to state colleges and universities to repair and renovate aging buildings. I know they asked for less than what they need because they thought that that was all the legislature would support. Well... Surprise them. The governor also wants bonding money for water infrastructure projects across Minnesota. An additional $167 million to ensure that more Minnesotans have the clean water they need. Republicans are talking about a bonding bill half the dollar amount that Dayton requested, arguing the legislature passed a good-sized bonding bill just last session and the state should not take on too much additional debt. The governor, in his final State of the State address, again urged lawmakers to allow Minnesotans, regardless of income, to buy health insurance through state-run Minnesota Care. I believe we should give all Minnesotans that option. For some families, the Minnesota Care buy-in may offer better health care coverage at lower costs. That is exactly what competition is supposed to do for consumers. Legislators have a very clear choice. All of you can side with big insurance companies who don't want this competition, or you can side with Minnesotans who do. Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says about the governor's plan. Non-starter. And the reason being is, is for that to work, they have to lower the reimbursement rate to our local hospitals and providers. If everybody had Minnesota care, all of our local hospitals and providers would go out of business. Gazelka says the solution is finding ways to drive down health care costs. Our Minnesota lawmakers face another clear choice this session. They can side with the NRA who strongly opposes common sense solutions to reduce gun violence in our schools and communities, or they can side with the school children of Minnesota who are begging us for it. Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka responds when it comes to safe and secure schools. We're going to focus on hardening the target. We're going to make sure that we focus on mental health, that there's resources available. Uh, but when you talk about guns on either side of that issue, the fact is that's just not going to get anywhere. And so now, Scott, we start the big push with a couple of months remaining until the legislature must adjourn the third week of May. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. On March 14th, students throughout the state and throughout the country staged a walkout to honor the 17 people killed in last month's Parkland, Florida school shooting and to demand safety in schools. This high school student from Minneapolis says, I think it's important that we as students rise as political activists and champion what we think is right for us, which is the right to be safe and secure within our school environment, which we go to every day and see our friends and our teachers and other people who we care about. And we think that it's important for us to create an environment, a safe space where we can learn and grow without the fear of being killed or hurt by people like the shooter in Florida last month. Ben, do you feel safe in your school? Uh, not really. I really just don't. What do you think could be done uh, that might make you feel safer? Um, I think preventative measures that sort of 
root out the causes of of school shooters like for example having mental health services and people who can reach out and avert these issues before people resort to violence I think that there are often reasons that are deeply rooted within people who cause violence and I think that having preventative measures that root like yeah just prevent or address those issues such as like mental health or um, being bullied or whatever and fixing those issues before people resort to violence as their only solution. We need to be able, we need to be able to show that there are other solutions other than just resorting to violence. Another student echoes those sentiments and says, We don't want to be the next victims of another mass shooting and we stand in solidarity with those that are fighting against it and we don't want those type of things to happen in our country again. Do you feel safe in your school? No. What could be done to change that, do you think? Um, a ban on assault weapons, um, more mental health um, opportunities and support, and you know more regulated laws like background checks. This retired teacher turned out for the walkout in South Minneapolis to support students. And I'm just sick about what's happening in the schools, and so I'm out here to support the kids. What do you think of what you're seeing right now, which is all the students of South High uh, in a silent walkout? I'm so proud, I can't tell you. Very proud that these kids take a look beyond themselves into our whole country. I've talked to a couple of the students and they've said they don't feel safe in school. Well, I've had that experience myself because I've been through a bunch of lockdowns, but it's, it's insane. It seems as though students are stepping up in, in the wake of what happened in Parkland, Florida, and people are, are starting to take notice. Tell me a little bit about whether or not you think that, that kids have enough of a voice to make change in this country. Yes, I think they do. I think they are empowered. If you listen to those children who are speaking out, they are so articulate, so sharp, and their plans, their ideas are incredible. That's why I love teaching in high school. Dr. Emily Palmer at Sanford Middle School in South Minneapolis is paying close attention to bills currently under consideration by lawmakers and says... Um, it's hard to go there without getting too political. I think the, the short answer is technology with regard to our um, door systems and camera systems so that we are able to really know who is in the building at all times and monitor people. We do have cameras in most of our public spaces, but we certainly um, could uh, would appreciate some improvements in those areas. I know that student safety is a top priority of yours. Just tell me on a day-to-day -day basis how much of your day and your how much of your time is spent being sort of concerned or vigilant about school safety, and what, what does that do to you as an administrator? Well, the biggest thing that's been an increasing amount of our time, honestly, is student mental health. I mean, we are just living in a really tough time right now, and kids are struggling. And there's a lot of um, fear and anxiety, and it's hard for kids to process a lot of those feelings. Um, so we're really looking at how do we provide space within the school day? What does that look like? Um, advisory lessons, for example, you know, our social-emotional learning. 
um, how we're helping kids to give voice to some of that, um, increasing social work and counselors. Um, one of the big things I spent a whole lot of time on in the last month was figuring out how, in an era of budget cuts, I could add social work and counseling time because that is such a priority right now. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's a really, really big piece is how do we support kids so that they are really um, able to focus on their learning and not so distracted by um, the awful things going on around them. For, for this particular age in, in middle school, you know, uh, kids being inundated with the sort of horrific news events like what happened in Florida and some of the other events that we've seen, tell me a little bit about the importance of having those kids be informed, but also at the same time not being overwhelmed by what seems like horrific news. Just tell me a little bit about how you try to find a balance there for this age. That's a really good question. Um, we struggle a lot at school with how much stuff kids are exposed to, um, both in the news and, frankly, on YouTube, um, that isn't giving them healthy messages. Um, and how do we kind of counter some of that? Um, obviously, in our curricular choices, um, keeping things as nonviolent as possible. Um, but it is true that it's everywhere. Um, I think it's just an ongoing, every single day question for teachers. You know, it's how do we be honest and meet kids where they're at? You know, I mean, if you believe basically that if a kid's old enough to ask a question, they're old enough to get an answer, right? Um, to listen to kids and yet at the same time be very sensitive. Um, all of, particularly middle school, all of our kids bring very different levels of sensitivity, you know, different levels of what they are exposed to outside of school, right? Um, so that's just an ongoing challenge. It's one of many ongoing challenges when it comes to school safety in this country. It's a challenge that parents, students, teachers, and lawmakers are struggling to find solutions for, and a challenge that is not going away anytime soon. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month in Minnesota. MN's Tasha Radel has more. This month, Minnesotans are encouraged to sit down with a loved one they fear is suffering from gambling addiction. Joining me now to talk about this year's theme is Claire Wilson, Assistant Commissioner of the State Department of Human Services. Assistant Commissioner, wanted to visit with you a little bit. I understand that March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month in, in Minnesota. And I know the theme this year is Have the Conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. This is a campaign to raise awareness around problem gambling and really encourage people to have conversations with their loved ones, and in particularly um, young people, college students, because we know that nearly 6% of college students in the U.S. have a serious gambling problem. And, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I think when we think of, of gambling and the disorders, we tend to think that the, the population it affects is, is older adults. And I was really surprised to see that gambling activities can start at such a young age. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what research shows? Sure. Um, what we're seeing is, you know, is that young people are um, more at risk 
And so what we've really working to do is make sure that they have access to resources through their social networks, you know, both online and elsewhere to make sure that they're connected to the resources they need to to both get help and be able to identify if they do have a problem. And when we look at gambling, does it seem to affect uh, males, females, or, or where does this tend to run? Well, nationally, we see an estimated 6.2 million people with problem gambling and about 6.7% of, of people in Minnesota who have a gambling problem. And it really it really runs the gambit, um, you know, t- across gender. Um, but we just hope that people will recognize some of the signs, which, you know, include thoughts of gambling preoccupying daily life, impacting relationships, you know, gambling until you've spent your last dollar, feelings of remorse after gambling. So really encouraging people to think about and recognize those signs. And does gambling tend to run in families? It does. It Certainly, if an individual is experiencing problem gambling, it impacts the entire family. And let's talk a little bit of, about uh, gambling. For many, it seems to me that it starts out kind of as a, a form of entertainment, and it might it might actually be innocent, whether it's sports gambling or poker or things like that. Is that fair to say? I believe that is fair to say. You know, one reason why March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month is because of March Madness and really a moment where we see a crescendo in terms of bets that are placed on basketball championship games. And so, you know, when you think about how normalized things like betting on basketball games or buying lottery tickets or, you know, accessing gaming machines, I mean, it is fairly pervasive uh, within our society. So there's certainly, um, it's just a good time to remind people that this can be a problem. And then wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, the JustAskMN.org uh, campaign. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So that's the, that is a campaign directly targeted to, um, to college-age individuals, and it features educational resources and information about gambling activities, consequences associated with risky gambling, and how to better understand the signs in order to get help. And then let's talk about uh, speaking of help and for those that are, are, are needing help and seeking out uh, information. Uh, let, can you tell me a little bit about the No Judgment campaign? Sure. So that is our ongoing gambling campaign. And people can access more information at getgamblinghelp.com. And that focuses similarly on problem gambling education and also interventions. Because you know that we know that treatment does work for gambling and funding does, there is funding available for people to access treatment. And that's what one of my final questions, uh, Commissioner, was going to be is do we have, um, you know, I guess gambling programs around the state for help? Are there places where people can go and seek that treatment? There are. Minnesota has over 35 providers who offer gambling treatment services. And Minnesota actually pays for gambling treatment for people, regardless of whether they have insurance or an ability to pay. And that funding does come from lottery funds, so no one is turned away if they can't afford treatment. All right. Anything else you'd like to add today that maybe I didn't bring up? No, just that we encourage Minnesotans to make use of the resources we have to address problem gambling and hope that people will look into those resources and um, or 
encourage loved ones to look into them. Thanks again to my guest, Claire Wilson, Assistant Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Human Services. For more information on problem gambling and intervention, head to the website getgamblinghelp.com or by calling 800-333-HOPE. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Vikings gave Kirk Cousins the richest guaranteed contract in NFL history this week, signing the signal caller to a three-year, $84 million contract. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm was at the Thursday news conference introducing the newest member of the Vikings. Scott, the quarterback Kirk Cousins says him coming to Minnesota was not just about the money. The contract is, it is what it is. But what my wife and I are thrilled about is uh, the organization we're walking into. Um, you can talk about being a family. You can talk about having a good locker room. I think all 32 teams will say that. Uh, I believe that uh, it's true here. Cousins says Minnesota gave him his best shot at winning the most games possible. Winning is what I said it would be all about, and uh, uh, it's true. I, I, I came here because of the chance to win. I felt like it was, it was uh, probably the best chance, and, and that's all that matters in this business. And he says this franchise is built to win, in his opinion. The chance to win comes from the fact that I believe in the leadership of this organization. Uh, there has to be a commitment to win from, from ownership. There has to be uh, the ownership, the, the general manager, the head coach, and the quarterback have to all be on the same page. I feel very good about that dynamic here. Leadership, everything rise and, rises and falls on leadership, and I believe that uh, the leadership here is in place to be able to, uh, to win a lot of football games. Cousins says he did his homework prior to signing this big deal, at least the best he could. I like to prepare, and I like to uh, cover my bases, and I don't like to be surprised. And um, The nature of free agency is that you don't have time when free agency begins to do your research and to take your visits. Things move quickly, as we saw. So. I did take full advantage the week I was here for Super Bowl week uh, with events. Uh, I had about five or six days here and rented a car and drove out here and drove by Winter Park and, and drove through Egan and uh, I wanted to get a feel for the area and um, did be the best research that I could. And uh, everything, you know, I called Julie near the end of the week and I said, um, you know, everything's checking the boxes here. And uh, the timing of it was such that I think the second day I was here was when the trade was made to, to show that I was going to be moving on. So the timing was good for me to start being able to do research here. And um, from there, it was just a process of continuing to gather facts. He even sat down with Golden Gopher football coach P.J. Fleck to get some insight. In Super Bowl week this year, I uh, reached out to Coach Fleck and asked if I could come sit with him for about an hour and learn from him about leadership and some of his culture building that he does. And he was kind enough to grant me an hour, so we sat in his office and I picked his brain and... Uh, while I'm a Spartan at heart, I'm certainly uh, excited now to be in the Gophers' backyard, and I'll be cheering them on as well because I have a great deal of respect for Coach Fleck and for his uh, leadership abilities, and I think there's uh, there's plenty more where that uh, one-hour conversation came from that I look forward to maybe having with Coach Fleck in the future. So I'll enjoy being here in the, in the Twin Cities and following them as well. Cousins says the week has been a whirlwind. My agent communicated to me that this free agency process in general around the entire league moved more quickly than than it has in previous years for whatever reason and uh, my situation was no different but um, it was a good process you know Mike and I Mike McCartney uh, my agent have really been in these types of conversations for about two and a half years and so we've built a, a great deal of trust a great relationship and so for me it was not a stressful experience uh, because of the implicit trust I have in Mike and uh, 
he handled it very well and represented me and my family uh, at a high level, and um, I'm very appreciative for that. And now Cousins looks forward to working with his new teammates in purple. So excited about uh, <laughs> Stefan can do what Adam Thielen can do, Kyle Rudolph, the list goes on and on, and I intend to throw the running backs out of the backfield. So I do intend to spread the ball around, get a lot of guys involved, and be a distributor. Cousins says he looks forward to getting to work soon. There are many, many positives, but ultimately the pitch is, will we win football games? And the answer here is, I, I, I believe we will. And um, it's not going to come by just signing a contract, okay? There's a lot of work to be done, but uh, I believe the pieces are in place. And if we stay humble and hungry, I'm really excited about the, the potential that exists here. Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer says he's thrilled to have Cousins in the fold and on the roster. You know, we are very, very excited about having Kirk here. Um, you know, I've ha had the opportunity to play against him uh, several times or coach against him several times, and he's always been a very, very tough guy to play against, uh, very accurate, um, excellent at play actions, terrific in the boots. Uh, we've, we've done our due diligence with uh, really everything about him. Zimmer says Cousins will bring things to the team that he really likes. He was a guy that always had to prove himself. He's a lot like a lot of our football team, guys that come in here, work hard, uh, do the things. He, he bet on himself um, several times and won. And so, um, you know, those things those things are really important to me. I, he's always uh, played with a chip on his shoulder. And uh, so we're just really excited to have him. He's going to be a great, uh, great part of our offense and great part of our football team. That's head coach Mike Zimmer and his brand new quarterback, Kirk Cousins. The Vikings have certainly made a splash this free agent season with the Cousins signing, no doubt. Now the question is, will that investment pay off? All I can do is do what's right in front of me. Um, I can't win the Super Bowl today. Okay, I can do a press conference to talk about a contract and then go from there. So um, what I'm looking forward to is getting to know teammates over the next few weeks, reaching out to them, building relationships, hopefully being able to spend some time with them and um, and then get to work April 16th with the organization. That's where my focus lies. Kirk Cousins will wear jersey number eight for Minnesota. Scott? Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.